0: I'm Martine Powers. It's Thursday, October 29th. This is an election update from Post Reports.
1: Thank you for calling the D.C. Board of Elections. We are experiencing high call volumes as we continue to operate with limited in-office staff during the pandemic. (sighs) Good afternoon, Board of Elections.
0: is Mr. Everett. Okay. Hi. Um, I'm calling because uh, I am trying to figure out um, whether or not I should still wait for a mail-in ballot. I um, I changed my registration pretty close to the deadline for changing your address to update it to where I live now, um, and I haven't gotten a ballot in the mail, and I wasn't sure. for a lot of people like myself. This is what voting sounds like right now. Not just breezing into your polling place on election day, but a whole process. Trying to figure out your options, asking where's my ballot, what should I be doing, and seeking out answers from an election official. Okay, let me see. Let me have your name so I can check your uh, status of your ballot this yeah. Um your uh, name? It's Martine Powers, M-A-R-T-I-N-E. Across the country, election officials everywhere are getting these same kinds of calls from worried voters.
1: I do. Give me one second. Oh, okay? thank
0: you. Yep. And for Chris Anderson in Florida, it's not just phone calls. It's tweets, it's Facebook messages, it's texts.
1: I have 128 text messages right
0: now. Oh my gosh. Like Like work-related, like election-related text messages? Straight up. Chris is the election supervisor in Seminole County. I talked to him a couple weeks ago, just as he was in the middle of planning for the start of early in-person voting. Uh, um, if you just tell us a few words about what you had for breakfast or whatever, we just want to get a sound test before we start.
1: I actually did not have anything for breakfast this morning. I know it's kind of not good. It's one of those, you know, when you wake it up at 5 a.m., it's like, uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to lunch. I can tell you that much.
0: (laughs) Managing an election during a presidential year is always high pressure. And that's been the case even more this year with the pandemic, with changes to the normal voting rules, with misinformation and disinformation about which ways of voting are safe or secure. And that's why we wanted to talk to Chris to check in with him a few times before and during this election, to hear firsthand the risks and challenges that he's dealing with, especially in a place that is pretty high stakes.
1: So Seminole County is a swing county in one of the largest swing states. It's uh, been described as a picture of the United States. Um, Our voting population is 335,000 voters, we have about a hundred and eighteen thousand registered uh, Republicans, about a hundred and seventeen thousand registered Democrats, and uh, almost a hundred thousand registered NPA and other party smaller party affiliations. So we're approximately a third, and a third, and a third. So it's kind of interesting uh, how our uh, voting population lays out.
0: Also, you're you're running for reelection this year, right?
1: That's right. So I'm also a candidate.
0: I feel like that's a an interesting scenario that you are gonna be kind of judged immediately on the quality of basically how you did your work when people get to the polls and have their experience there and then get to fill out a ballot and decide whether or not you should have your job for another couple of years.
1: I don't mind that. I think it's I think it's an appropriate uh appropriate analysis. If I've done a good job. Um, I hope that voters are, will support me.
0: And can I ask, are you a Democrat or Republican or?
1: I'm a Republican. Yes, ma'am. And it is a partisan office by Florida, the election code. But be that as it may, um, the office is not run in a partisan manner. And none of, none of my colleagues or I conduct ourselves in a partisan fashion. We can't. None of us, we don't attend uh, political functions, fundraising functions. We don't associate ourselves with one side or the other. We are Switzerland, (laughs) essentially. And because we have to remain above reproach. You know, I had a, a voter who was a Democrat who thought that she wouldn't receive help from me because Seminole County was historically a red county. And I literally jumped up from my desk and went to her house and collected a form from her that she needed to get in because she was afraid she wasn't going to vote.
0: And so when it comes to the particular challenges of the pandemic, what were some of the, the small things that you had to figure out solutions to?
1: One of the things we noticed is, OK, every voter is going to be using stylus to sign into our iPads to check in and get their ballots issued.
0: And is all the all the voting that you do is digital voting, like through a computer system?
1: It is not. So in Florida, it, we are a mark sense paper ballot state. So you have to make your selections on paper. But to sign in to have that paper issued to you is on. Uh, we use iPads. We have a application that we can click on our iPad that will open up and allow us to check you in. Well, you have to use a stylus to sign your name because you have to sign in. And usually it's the same one, right? You just, you know, what each voter is using the, the, the stylus that's provided. Well, you can't do that in a pandemic because we don't want to transfer germs. Right. So we had to get creative. It would have cost us about a quarter of a million dollars to purchase a pen and a stylus to service over 300,000 people. and We just couldn't afford it. So we had to get creative. We had to come up with something called the Seminole Safety Stylus, right?
0: I I just need to say, right now you're holding up a
1: Q-tip. I am. This may be a Q-tip to you. I know it looks like a Q-tip to you, but to us, this is fiscal creativity as we refer to it. We quite literally uh, went to the Dollar Tree in every Dollar Tree in the county. We raided their Q-tips while everybody was hoarding toilet paper. We were hoarding Q-tips. Huh. And we took aluminum foil tape and we wrapped the stem of it. Now, the reason why you're doing that is because we learned that the way you swipe left or right on your iPads is through the static electricity in your body.
0: So you need the aluminum foil on there to be able to conduct the electricity.
1: Bingo. Now, the next step to that is cotton isn't a conductor. So you have to get this wet because water is. So once you take this and dip it into a moist sponge, and that water touches that tape. Now you have a complete conduction of static electricity, and you can sign on the pad.
0: So, how many of those did you have to like MacGyver together just to be ready for this election?
1: That's a great description. It's MacGyverish, right? A hundred and one thousand stylists. We we rolled a hundred and one thousand. That
0: is and, crazy. And you know,
1: that's challenging the status quo because people didn't think we could do it, and we did it. It was very fiscally creative.
0: You know, in some ways, I feel like that story is a story of ingenuity and really creative problem solving, and also just the the sheer physical work of putting together a hundred thousand styluses. But at the same time, I feel like that speaks to you know, the lack of support from the federal government or I don't know, maybe even the state government. The fact that you have to, like, come up with these crazy solutions to these problems feels like maybe that shouldn't be the case. Like, maybe there should be a solution that's not just go raid your Dollar Tree for Q-tips.
1: Well, you know, the money that came from the Elections Assistance Commission, that money was it was slated to come to us, but we know our timetables, right? And most people don't in any other form of government because we have deadlines that we have to meet. So we knew we couldn't wait around for that money to trickle in because we knew it would take a while just because of all the steps that has, it has to go through, which is understandable. That's what brought on the creativity as well is to say, OK, we can't wait. We got to go. We got to figure out how to get this done in in our budget.
0: That, that even if there was support there, that it was just coming too late past the point where you needed to be making decisions.
1: Exactly. And that's not anyone's fault. It's because they just don't know our timetable. Giving us $400,000 uh, the day before an election does us absolutely no good or even a week before.
0: So when you look over the course of the next couple of weeks, what are you most worried about and like... What keeps you up at night? Like, what is the worst case scenario that you're like, we we need to do everything possible to prevent this thing from happening?
1: Well, you know, it was staffing, right, uh, with election workers. But luckily, we are staffed. We are good to go. Now, it's just making sure that the, the equipment arrives on time, that polls open at 7 a.m. as they're supposed to, making sure that we have access to the bill. That's one of the things that, you know, it's the external stuff that we can't control.
0: Just like getting in the building where they're supposed to be setting up in the morning.
1: Exactly, because we don't own we don't own those buildings.
0: Yeah, if it's a right? school or a senior center or whatever, you're waiting for someone to open the door for you.
1: Exactly. And if uh, if that person doesn't wake up at, uh, you know, 5 a.m. and meet us out there, you know, we're calling your phone, blowing you up like, hey, (laughs) you know, we uh, we need you to get here and open up the door, you know, because if not, you know, we're setting up uh, uh, elections equipment in the parking lot.
0: Yeah. And it seems like if any of those things go wrong, that's the scenario that you see on the news where you start to see this line that's going around the block and down the street. And it looks like, you know, people aren't actually being given the right to vote because they have to wait for four hours.
1: Wait for for hours to, to get in. And, you know, so it's just things like that. But the supervisor's prayer is pretty simple. We don't care who wins. Just don't let it be close.
0: Um, well, I want to be respectful of your time. Um,
1: I could tell you all this stuff all day long. Well,
0: well, that's one thing we were curious about is, you know, as you're saying that, like, these are the things that on your on your mind as you start early voting um, next mm-hmm. week. Um, you know, we were wondering if it would be possible to maybe check back in with you. Let's do
1: I think that's great. Like, let's stay in contact over a third of our voting population. If they vote by mail, you know, uh, the uh, precincts and the early voting sites uh, could be ghost towns.
0: We actually did check in with Chris later, after the first day of in-person voting in Seminole County. Hello? Hi, it's Martine calling from The Post. Hi, Martine. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I am uh,
1: doing all right. Day one is down.
0: (laughs) It turns out that the first day of early voting in Florida actually broke records.
1: In-person voting was crazy.
0: It was definitely not a ghost town.
1: Yeah. I mean, we had lines wrapped around the building, both here at our office and in another voting location. The dedication of voting hmm. this year. Wait, what do you mean by that? So when I got to our office, because every supervisor of elections office in the state of Florida has to serve as a voting site. So we're going to be we're one of the smaller sites. Obviously, we cannot do as many as as a uh, as a normal voting voting early voting site. The line was wrapped around, uh, not you know, it was behind the building. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm you know telling people like, hey, even if it's a twenty minute drive down the road, you're going to get in to the Altamont site and be out in five minutes. Um, the people that were here at our office they their thing was i'm not voting anywhere else but at the the supervisor of elections office oh i see i'm trusting
0: cuz cuz they're worried about like whether their ballot is the going to
1: make- get counted they they i'm i will wait i literally had tons of people tell me today as i walked up and down the line i will wait huh i'm voting he- right here i'm not going anywhere else
0: and and why do you think that is like why do you think that there is this sort of I guess, like paranoia about...
1: Yeah, the national narrative has really... There's just been so much stuff going on in the past couple of... Well, just since I've been in office, I I can say it. More so than most years, because although I wasn't the supervisor of elections, I voted in every election, and um, I've never... And I paid close attention to, to politics, I like to think. I've never seen as much attention around ordinary things like poll watchers or vote-by-mail. This stuff has been around for years, but no one cared about it. It was just, you know, if you voted by mail, you voted by mail.
0: I checked in with Chris one last time on Tuesday. Hello. Hey, how you doing? One of the things that he's been dealing with in recent days is unintentional misinformation and the fact that voters are so paranoid that their votes aren't going to be counted.
1: So they call us up and they say, hey, well, you know, I received this postcard from you saying that I haven't voted and I voted already. You know, what's going on? What are you doing with my vote? Are you trying to suppress my vote? And, you know, and then they, they turn the card over and they see that it came from a political party and they're like, oh. And then we go ahead and give them the information to let them know that we received your ballot. It's been uh, tabulated and you're good to go. So it's just stuff like that. You know, a lot of these third parties, they get involved and sometimes they can cause more confusion Mm -hmm. more than they actually help the situation.
0: Have there been any other problems or challenges with actual polling places in terms of making sure everything's running smoothly? Um, you know, obviously, there's the Q-tip fixes that you came up with beforehand. But is there anything else that, like, now as we're getting into these final days of early voting that you've had to kind of work through as you see this process working in person?
1: Well, the challenges for the polling places. You know, so, like, we we prepare for them. So, like, uh, the power went out in Castleberry.
0: What do you do when that happens?
1: So... Everything, uh, all voting equipment runs on battery backup. So even though the power's off, voting continues.
0: So you just have people walking through this, like, dark cabinet space no. with these, like, little I,
1: iPads? No, we actually have um, we actually have uh, floor lights. They're stand-up pole lights that light up the room. You plug mm-hmm. it into the battery backups. We send out extra battery backups to all pol- polling sites. Because this is Florida. So, you know... Early voting occurs during the most active part of the hurricane season. So, supervisors of elections here in, in, in Florida have already had to be kind of prepared for those scenarios at all times of what to do when, you know, an, a disaster occurs.
0: Chris Anderson is the election supervisor in Seminole County, Florida.